Hey, everybody, before we get into the show, we have a major earth-shattering massive announcement. Nikki? Yes, it is that time again, Pete Wright. Our monthly planning membership is open for enrollment. GPS stands for Guided Planning Sessions, if you don't know already. We've worked really hard here at Take Control ADHD to provide you with a service that not only gives you ideas and strategies on how to plan your day and your week, but it also provides time and space for you to do the work and not just by yourself, but with others who understand and support you. We meet every Monday and Thursday, and there are three different sessions for each day that you're invited to attend. We are dedicated to making this membership to be one that is transformative in the way you think about planning and taking control of your time and schedule. There are so many benefits to the GPS membership, so please be sure to visit our website at takecontroladhd.com slash GPS. Enrollment is open now through May 8th. Thank you for your time and attention, and I hope to see you soon. On with the show. and welcome to Taking Control, the ADHD podcast on Rashpixel.fm. I'm Pete Wright, and right there is Nikki Kinzer. Hello, everyone. Hello, Pete Wright. Oh, Nikki Kinzer, this is going to be the most fun we've ever had on a podcast. I'm sure it will be. I think we probably won't even be able to help ourselves. We're going to play. We're going to play. <laughs> We're going to play hard. Before we completely lose control, make sure you head over to TakeControlADHD.com. Get to know us a little bit better. You can listen to the show right there on the website or subscribe to the mailing list. Uh, it's just get an email with the latest episode each week. It could not be easier. You can connect with us, as always, on Twitter or Facebook at Take Control ADHD, or call us, leave us a voicemail, 503-664-4ADD, and get your voice, thoughts, and questions on this show. We would really love to hear from you. Our guest today is Dr. Kirsten Milliken. She is a clinical psychologist who not only specializes in supporting adults with ADHD, but she lives with ADHD herself, and her experience has led her down the path of play. That's right. The good Dr. Milliken believes that play is the best non-medication intervention for people with ADHD, and we could not be more thrilled to hear it. Dr. Milliken, welcome to the ADHD podcast. Oh my God! I want you to introduce me on every single show I go. I would, I would right? do that. I would do that for you. Doesn't he sound a little like Casey Kasem? Uh, me, no, me way Casey. better. <laughs> way better. No, way better. I am vindicated. Oh my God! It was just wonderful, smooth, great words. Not even mine. They were awesome. Oh, really, 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 go on. No, stop. Yes, Please, yes, go yes. on. <laughs> I know what type of player you are now. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, we are we are really excited to have you on the show, uh, Kirsten. Thank you so much for taking your time to to do this. Um, oh, thank you guys. This is awesome. I'm very excited to be talking with the two of you. Well, you know, and I got to tell you, I read the disclaimer of your book, and I got to tell you, I love it. It says this book may cause you to play more. Right? Like, be like, warned. Watch out. Be warned. You might actually enjoy life. It is a sad <laughs> commentary that we actually need to read that. But nevertheless, I'm glad it's you that are delivering that message. It's oh, true. It's, it's true. As, as adults, so many people are afraid to be seen as, you know, not being serious. So, yeah, they need to know what they're in for if they're going to be hanging out with me and reading my book. You mentioned or you use this phrasing called playful mindset. What does that mean? So really, it's the summary of everything that's in the book, which is it's not really about what you're doing when you're playing. It's about how you approach any task. So having a playful mindset can apply to anything that you're doing. 
And as you guys know, you know, for all of your ADHD people, when we are approaching tasks that sound like they're going to be boring, they're going to take a long time, we've already done it and they're just not interesting anymore, um, or they're just hard for us to do, our brains can feel like they're just shutting down. And so if we find a way to have a playful attitude about what we're about to do, it can activate the dopamine in our brains and it can make things just a bit easier for us so that we don't feel like we're banging our heads against the wall. This is such a spoonful of sugar conversation. <laughs> you are like Mary, Mary Poppins. That's right. And so in every job that must be done, yes. there's an element of fun. Yes. Find the fun and snap. The job's I, a game. I love that so much. Okay, so here's the go. thing. Uh, when I'm struggling, when I'm at my worst, when my ADHD is rearing its head and I'm at my very mm-hmm. worst, and I feel like I'm prejudging the task, like, oh my God, <laughs> yes. that task is exhausted. Like, I, I'm done thinking about it. I can't do it. The next feeling that steps in, which I think puts a damper on even my ability to think about play, is shame, right? Yes. Because yes. now I'm stuck in this deflationary spiral of not only do I not want to do it, I've suddenly started using the language of I can't do it, whatever's in right. front of me. How do you get people out of that and and back moving into this playful mindset? What is the what's the what's the runway look like? Really what it is is about starting before you get to that point to practice that playful mindset. So, um, you know, before you do that task, going out and making sure that you're front-loading yourself with some play. So if you know that the thing that you dread the most is coming up at 12 o'clock today or tomorrow, then you want to make sure that on your calendar, you have a plan to play. And that can be going and taking a walk in the woods with your dog. It can be playing with your kids. It can be um, dancing. It can, whatever it is that activates your brain, makes you feel happy, makes you want to smile. Uh, And that way you're activating the dopamine in your brain. And you're basically overriding some of the problems that happen with ADHD, which is when we're hitting those activities that we dread, the dopamine is not showing up in our brains. And so that frontal lobe where we've got all the attention and activation, motivation, is, is not being energized. So we are going to face all of those challenges that happen with ADHD. When you go and you engage in more play, you're bringing the dopamine up front. And so a lot of times people would say, if you're engaged in more playful activity, you don't look like you've got ADHD. You're paying attention. You seem really motivated. You're staying on task, right? So you want to get that flowing as much as you can. When you start doing that and the tasks feel a little less daunting, then you can start hopefully opening up your mindset about it and realizing that you don't have to do it the way everybody else does it. Oftentimes, that's what gets us stuck. Oh, because My- we're, we're, we're judging our own play. Exactly. So, I mean, we think that just because everybody else does things in a very serious way, in a very you know, structured way, that this is how we have to approach things, too, because we, we want to be taken seriously. We don't want to look like goofballs. We want to fit in all of these messages that come into our heads. We've got to work harder. And if we could challenge those thoughts and realize maybe the reason that it's so hard is because I'm not doing it the right way for me. Mm-hmm. And what a lot of my clients are finding out is that the right way for them is a little more fun. They have to find ways that engage them more. So once they do that, they're able to keep up and often excel 
from their peers because they really they're brilliant. I don't know anybody with ADHD who's really not brilliant. So, but what happens is that they're not showing it because they're trying to do things in a way that's not natural to them. They're trying to do it in a hard way. Well, right, because they're they're trying to do it what they what they think is the right way, but that doesn't mean anything. I mean, that's just a perception. It's, it's how it's how all the traditional teachers have taught them to do it, or it's all the top ten lists that they've read in magazines, or what have you. Oh, and so they think top of, ten right, lists, right? If that's what everybody else, if this is how everybody else approaches this task, well, I guess I should do it that way too because that's the way to do it. When in fact, you know, if they thought about it, they might find a a more fun way, a more interesting way, a more creative way, and they might actually come up with better results in their work. It feels like it kind of takes some pressure off too, you know? I mean, it just yeah. feels like it's a lighter approach, especially to those boring tasks, to those things that you dread, that if you know you can put some play in in front of it, it, it just feels lighter for some reason when you're talking about it. One of the examples that I give is, you know, if you have you have two bosses, you've got one boss who comes into you and says, I want you to work on this problem and you need to come up with a solution and I need it by the end of the day. First is the boss who comes in and says, I need you to play around with this problem and I want you to see what comes up from it. Very well, I different. Like, I like that better already. <laughs> yeah, I right? know, me too, right? <laughs> right, I mean, just, they can say it in the same tone, just the idea of what that's going to entail. One of them is about working and getting to a goal. The other one is about engaging in a process, being curious, problem solving, and come, still coming to a solution, but you know, it might be the same solution. It might be different, but you get to engage in the process rather than focusing on the goal. And that really is one of the key points about play, especially in the workplace. Mm-hmm. What do you do for folks that you run into who really are are, are so mired in that experience of I, that that they just don't even know how to play anymore? Is there is there a way to kind of break down those barriers and and move? I, and I'm thinking specifically about a, a colleague of mine who is, you know, has, has really been struggling with his ADHD for you know better part of two decades, and yep. and it's to the point where he's just generally dour and struggling to find that space again. Um, what, how do you, how do you help people over that hump? Uh, you know, I'll tell you, I have a woman that I work with who the first, and this is not uncommon. The first thing that she said to me was, I don't really play. And yeah. she really, she really needed help figuring out, especially in her work, which I thought was really playful work. But she said to me, I, I really don't play when I'm working. And the more we talked about it, the more she realized, you know what? When she was creating folders, folders always had to have certain colors and she liked to use certain color pens. And there were certain ways she organized things and laid things out for herself that made her feel lighter and made her smile as she was doing them. And I, and I interrupt like, just for a second, when you're telling the story, when she was creating folders at what age? Like, are you talking about as, as, as a an youth adult. or as an adult? Okay. Uh, All right. She's in her 40s. Okay. She's in her 40s. Right. Yep. And she, as she was talking about this, she was like, oh my God, I do play, don't I? And she realized, I said, but what happened if you just put everything into manila folders and labeled them? And she thought, oh my God, that just sounded horrible. And so sometimes you're looking for just those little things. I mean, like making any change, we really need to start with the little things because that's how we start building the framework to build up to something way bigger. So starting with the little ways that people play and just having them go through their days and what makes you smile? What does it feel like when you're in a playful mood? 
how is that, you know, how does that feel? And a lot of people, they feel light, they can breathe well, they're smiling, they feel more energetic and open. And so having them practice that and then having them notice as they go through their day, when does that start happening for them? And not judging what they're doing at the time when that happens, because there are no rules about what's play, right? Play doesn't have to be about playing jacks or going out and playing kickball or baseball or what have you. For this client, play was about, you know, what color folder am I going to use for this client? And how am I going to organize things in a way that looks pretty? So play takes all different forms and it can happen in any activity. You just have to be paying attention. Well, I, I, I interrupted you for because the question that was on my mind was, I, <laughs> I was before we started uh, this podcast, I was thinking about you and your experience before we started talking. And, and as I was doing it, I was helping my son with his homework. And it was cutting out articles that he's written to lay out a, a, a fake newspaper page from the year 1847. And I found myself getting really weirdly obsessive about it. <laughs> like I was having way too much fun. A little hyper focus. A little, little hyper focus. But I was getting a really kind of subversive delight in watching him cut these articles out. And I thought, I think when I'm done with this and this podcast, maybe I want to lay out my own newspaper. <laughs> there you go. We'll see. Let For me know if that happens. Yeah, that's right. right. Well, actually, though, Kirsten, you bring something up that I have a question about, and that's the hyper-focus. Yeah. What, what is your suggestion? Because I can just hear a couple of my clients right now saying, yeah, sounds like a great idea, but then it's such a great idea that I'm going to get so involved <laughs> in what yeah. I'm loving that you know the filing yeah that can be done another time yeah <laughs> what do you say yeah. to that you know sometimes when you know that you've got other things to do you need to move the play from happening before the task to moving into the task so if you're having fun say dancing around and having a good time goofing around keep the music going while you're doing your filing, right? Oh, or it, if right. you know you really like to be social, I, I am a very social person when I'm not sitting by myself enjoying doing something quietly. <laughs> um, but I find that oftentimes I can't do work unless I have other people around me and I don't need to be talking to them. Uh, they don't need to be working on anything with me. Just being in that social environment for me is playful and fun because every once in a while I can look up and hear what else is going on. You know, I can check in with somebody once in a while and we all know what we're working on together. So figuring out how to move your play into what you're doing uh, can be important. Other yeah, times, you and I, we all know timers are a beautiful thing. So if right. you know you've got to get work done, you know, giving yourself that space to play, again, because you're front loading yourself so that you've got the dopamine flowing and you can pay attention to that task that may not be the first thing you want to be doing. Um, but setting that timer and giving yourself some space to play and then going to the task and getting it done. Well, and I think there's something to say just about setting the intention too, that you know that you're doing this kind of play to help you do this task. Exactly. You know, it's a, it's a little different than just playing and you know what I mean? It's like, you're kind yep. of setting, there's a, there's a real reason why you're doing it this way. And, and clients will often use the P word. They'll say, you know, but if I'm playing, I'm procrastinating, right? Mm, and but that's kind of no. judgmental, yeah, isn't that's, it? That's sort yeah. of a zero-sum argument. Exactly. And it's, you know, it's a word, again, that gets thrown around, that if you're not working hard, then you're procrastinating. Um, whereas if you explain to people, no, I'm actually getting ready to work. This is mm -hmm. how I prepare myself. You know, it's like a, it's like any 
person who's in sports, you know that you need to practice, you know that you need to warm up before you go and hit the ball, because otherwise you could, you know, twist a muscle or you could injure yourself. So your play can sometimes be your warm up before you get in the game. This makes me think of uh, so many of these revitalized workplaces, right? Open yes. plan workplaces. And, and and you hear these stories about the new Facebook, the new Google, where there are no permanent desks and you just move around and float around and everything is is much more sort of open and collaborative as a result. Do you ever do any work on sort of the workplace, uh, have any experience on the, the workplace uh, evolution of play? Some of the things that I do talk about in the book and just in general is the fact that there are a lot of companies, corporate culture in some of the bigger companies and more successful companies really is turning towards looking to what play can offer to the employees in terms of engagement, in terms of productivity and teamwork um, and problem solving. So companies like Google that give their com- their employees 20% time where they can be creating whatever interests them as long as it contributes to the company. Um, and then there are companies like IDEO, and they've got this great brainstorming process that's very playful, where really the idea is to create as many ideas as they possibly can without judgment, because you never know what's going to come up with the, from the most harebrained, crazy idea. Um, and then, yeah, there are a lot of companies that are having more of an open um, office design, and that usually has to include, of course, the you know the supervisors, the higher ups, because they have to be part of that environment rather than setting themselves apart. And that does create more collaboration and collaboration can be at its healthiest, very playful. I love that. That makes me inspired. <laughs> to, change so your, says, to change your office. <laughs> I do. I work, uh, I work in a solo office with my cats, but I want to have an open floor plan with them. Well, and, there you go. Uh, Engage them in all that you do. They, I let my, my dogs play. often. They just sleep all day. I don't know. They're terrible coworkers. <laughs> My dogs like to step on my keyboard at every chance they get. They've created a wonderful story. And <laughs> so you said to kind of, st- you know, start small is, is what I wrote down. I wrote notes. Yep. Uh, start small. So <laughs> can you expand that a little bit? Like, where would you suggest somebody start? I mean, what is, is it just playing music? I mean, what, what? kind of ideas do you have? Wherever it's easiest for you. I mean, really what we're looking at is not just having, you know, a playful attitude in one part of your life, but really having that be part of how you function again, because it's what gets your brain going. It's what's going to help you in your relationships and at work. Um, And so figuring out, you know, where's the easiest place to start. And for a lot of people, that's going to be in the home environment, right? Especially if you've got kids, because kids in my opinion, are the best excuse in the world to start playing when you're an adult, right? (laughs) So So, true. So so around the time when, you know, permission has been almost totally taken away for adults to be playing, you know, often in our mid to late 20s, early 30s, that's when we all start thinking we want to have kids because that would be fun, right? get to play with Legos again. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, exactly. And so, you know, and even if you don't have kids, one of the things that you really can start to think about is how did you play as a kid? So if you're oh, a parent, you can, you can yeah. show your kids that. If you don't have kids, do it yourself. So for me, I talk about the fact that um, when I was little, my grandmother had this wonderful treasure chest full of costumes. And they were mostly her ball gowns from like the 40s and 50s. And they had all this netting and they were bright colors. And so I loved going into that big treasure chest and putting on these gowns and long gloves and high heels and dressing up. It was so much fun. 
And if you guys know me now, when I go to conferences, you will always see me with a fascinator or some fabulous hat with tons of feathers on it uh, Mm -hmm. because I still love dressing up. And sometimes it's not as obvious as that, but likely if your audience goes and you look back at how you used to play, what you really enjoyed, likely there's some thread of that to how you'd like to play as an adult. So besides dressing up, I mean, I, you know, you, you, when you talk about having fascinators, I mean, you've done your hair as a, a bright, beautiful color. <laughs> you've got like, you are, you just sort of, uh, uh, exude play. How did you work this into your, your kind of every day? What is the, what is your sort of fascinating play story with your day-to-day kind of workaday buckle shuffle? I got to tell you, I somehow fell into the best job ever. <laughs> I can't, you know, when I decided that play was going to be my thing and I started researching this, you know, at some point you have to take that on as part of who you are because you are your brand. And so I thought, this is terrific. You know, I could be depression ADHD. That would be horrible. But I'm with <laughs> play ADHD. ADHD. You're like right? living the movie right. inside out. Like, yeah. this is you. It's awesome. And so, yeah, so play ADHD. So everywhere I would go, I was really looking for how do you see play all around you. So I would be walking down the street. Behind, I remember walking down the street in Portland, Maine, behind these two women who were having this just very serious but almost comical conversation. And I followed them around town for a little while, but until I thought maybe they thought it was creepy that I was behind them all the time <laughs> because it was just hysterical to listen to this conversation. I went out on a boat um, a couple summers ago with a friend of mine. We were going out to an island to eat lobsters, and another couple joined us. And on our way out, the boys slowed the boat down because there was this beautiful green sailboat and they wanted to stop and take a look at it. And they wanted to figure out where it came from and how much do you think it would cost and what kind of special gadgets did it have on it? And the other woman in the boat was rolling her eyes and my thing is play. I'm thinking, oh my God, this is like listening to two little kids. Like talking about, you know, this fabulous boat and how they're going to go on this journey and, you know, just having these daydreams about this boat. And it, it just, I thought it was terrific listening to them. So once I told her this, she lightened up a little bit. But, you know, so this is, I made a decision and I had a brand behind me that I had to live up to. So <laughs> not a hard one for the, me. The no excuses to her. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, you know, and it, you all know that we, uh, you know, fall into the work that we're supposed to be doing because it's the work that we need to do for ourselves. So um, there's always more to learn. And I have to say the other bonus is there are so many interesting people in the field of play and getting to talk to them, meeting them, and then, you know, and crossing paths, you know, connecting people in the ADHD world and the play world, it's a no-brainer. I mean, most of the people in the play world identify with the people in the ADHD group and vice versa. So it's like I've taken two tribes and brought them together into one fabulous, fun group. Oh, so that's fantastic. And it's such, po- it's just such positive energy. I mean, that's the, you know, that yeah. that's why I like the disclaimer. It's like, you're going to have more fun. I mean, it's just so positive. There's such good wrapped around your message um, for folks who, as you know, you know, don't always feel good. And uh, this is a great reminder for them. It is. What inspired you? Because you say it's your brand, but this is a newer book, right? So, it, the book? 
The book is um, in pre-sales right now. It'll be released on April Fool's Day. April Fool's Day. Love that. That's so fitting. So what inspired you to actually like write a book? Because I know that is not an easy thing to do. Even when you're writing a book about play, that I I mean, kudos to you. It's not easy. Let me tell you that the first iteration of this book was a textbook. It was all the facts and research you would ever want to know about play and ADHD. Well, that sounds like the least playful thing ever. (laughs) I know, exactly. But it's like I needed to just, you know, vomit all of it out and put it on paper (laughs) to get it out of my head. And then I I needed to start over. And I had to start with a really clear intention about how I wanted to present this information and who I was presenting it for. So the whole book is written for somebody who has attention issues maybe diagnosed with ADHD. It's written, it's only 150 pages. Mm-hmm. It's written in short sections. There are tons of color images in there, lots of graphics. There are quizzes you can take. There are tips and suggestions about things that you can do. Um, so, and there are a few little surprises in the in the hardbound book as well. So um, it was, you know, some of it was just a fun thing to do because it's not like any book that's out there. So just creating that was playful to me. Mm-hmm. Getting the words down was a little bit harder, mm-hmm. um, especially when you introduce editors and coaches right. and, and everybody's got an opinion about what should be in there. Oh, they're the um, worst. Right, exactly. <laughs> so I ended up, <laughs> I had a really great book coach. I loved him to death, but at some point I had to let him go because he just didn't get it. <laughs> so- <laughs> Like, if he listens to this, he'll be like, what do you mean? I didn't get it. But, <laughs> I got it. <laughs> exactly. But I wanted to, you know, I can work as all of us. We can work in our practices with a small group of clients, only as many as our days allow. Um, but I really wanted to get this message out to as many people as possible, because I really think that, um, you know, so much of the focus when we talk about ADHD is about the effortful, uh, short lasting interventions that we can do. and play is something that we should all be doing anyway for our health in so many different areas. Um, But it seemed like for ADHD in particular, you know, I needed to talk about it. And I needed to talk about it to adults in particular because kids are supposed to be playing. Although they already got it down. I mean, they're supposed to, right? And I do realize that schools are sometimes limiting that. But the adults in this world need to recognize the value of play. And and then we need to be modeling it for our kids, whether we're teachers or parents or friends of friends or whoever. But I think it's our responsibility, not just for ourselves, but also for um, kids who are coming up with attention issues to teach them how they can harness their brain power um, just by having more fun. You know, it's interesting because we, since January, we have been focusing on self-care and and ADHD. And one of the very first shows of the series, you know, Pete and I talk about, you have to make yourself a priority. Um, And that's what I love about this message is that you're saying play should be a priority. It's okay to make it a priority. You shouldn't feel bad about it. You're not, not, you know, that whole thing about I've got to do more, I've got to work more or I'm yep. not doing enough, you know, I, I think you're putting that you're saying, no, you are, you, this is, this is how you need to function to be more productive. Or exactly. To, I actually it, suggest when the adults that I'm working with are planning their schedules 
that they start first with all of the playful activities that they'd like to do during the week. So whether it's getting together oh, with friends, right. yeah. going to concerts, going to a movie, um, doing something with their kids, that they fill those things in first. And they, you know, many of us have our go-to places where we know to find activities that are going on for the week. And, you know, and maybe you've got regular hobbies and things like that that you like to do either at home or out in the community. So put those in first. Mm-hmm. That's then a put priority. in. Yeah, that's really good. Exactly. So, you know, we always think about planning our work. We need to plan our play as well. Mm-hmm. And so once you put your play in, then you start putting in all of the work that you've got to do. And sometimes there's some overlap. You've got to figure out, you know, what activities can I do? Maybe I don't have a lot of play going on on Tuesday. Is there an activity that I can do that's work-related that maybe is a little bit later and more fun? Because you want to try and make that a habit every day to have something, at least one thing, if not more, that's Mm -hmm. playful and engaging. So you're working with your clients. They, they, you, you have somebody come in to your office and sit down and talk to you and say, and you ask them, what did you do to play uh, this week? Uh, mm-hmm. What is the most fantastic example of one of your clients' uh, efforts to play that you have ever heard? We go. To, we have a local circus here. Portland, Maine, is one of the is the only place in the United States where we have circus arts school. So we have the privilege of being able to go to the circus, right, on a regular basis and see people doing circus acts, which is just fantastic. Um, We have a trampoline park. You know, we've got all kinds of fun stuff to do here. So I will say that I'm never at a loss. I I did take I um, was coaching a, a, a team at a company one time and they were like 20 something year olds. And so when they came within hairs of meeting this huge audacious goal that we had set for them. And so as a reward, I took all these kids to me, kids, um, to the trampoline park and we had them stay open for an hour at the end of the night. So it was just us. And we had so much fun. So that was like, and they knew that that was coming up. That was their big reward was going and playing if we had made this goal over the course of a month. So oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, it that, was wonderful. You know, there was a place I went on a, to a retreat in, I think it was Albuquerque, New Mexico, and it was years ago. But they, uh, at the end of this retreat, they took us to a place that was a designated playland for adults. You go in, you show nice. your ID, no kids allowed. There's a bar, there's an arcade with games from our generation. Like, yeah. You know, Galaga and Donkey Kong. Yes. And there was a five mile uh, maze of tubes oh that you God. can climb up to six stories and down a spiral slide into a giant bucket of balls. Just you have got to find where that is and put it in the show notes because I want to go there. I, I, that is the sad, that's the, the sad punchline of this story. I think it closed. Is oh, that terrible? Oh, I, I because adults don't play enough. Exactly. Oh my goodness. Enough. So this is, there is a market for a giant maze of tubes for adults. Somebody who is <laughs> listening please venture fund this bad boy because i would be there with a like a service plan i would be running a camp out of that place in a heartbeat i would totally be doing it i would totally be doing it well okay so can you tell us about uh uh, tell us a little bit more detail about the book where when you said it's so april 1st what's it called and where where will people be able to buy it i assume all the local uh, uh online and local stores Absolutely. So it's Play DHD, a a permission to play, a prescription for adults with ADHD. Uh, It is available online on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. If your local bookstore does not have it, you can ask them to order it. Uh, It's available. 
And it is in pre-order right now, so you can go on Amazon and get a discount on that. Uh, or on one of the other online stores. I do know Amazon's got the discount. And, um, yeah. And it's not a know. joke, even though it's coming out on April Fool's. It's, it's not. I could, you know something? <laughs> I was given the option of when it was going to be released. And I, you know, I thought it's just too perfect. Oh yeah. So <laughs> it's April Fool's Day. Um, in Portland, Maine, we also have what's called First Friday, where everybody comes out to see all the arts. And so mm-hmm. uh, that'll also be at my local bookstore um, for a signing. And we're, I'm having a um, a performer there, so that we're going to have some juggling and some fun stuff to go on at of the bookstore. Course. I of would course, expect nothing less. Yes. Can't just be me. It's got to be fun. You know, I like to play with friends. <laughs> See, now everybody I know in Maine just wears a lot of flannel and drinks stout. Uh, you are actually really much more fun than that. I am. I don't. <laughs> You're a I model don't sh- for Mainers. There, I have very few things from LL Beans. <laughs> <laughs> and that also means you're on a list somewhere. <laughs> I know, right? I know. Well, this so. has been such a treat. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Oh, Pete and Nikki, thank you so much. I was thrilled to be here. I really enjoyed talking to you. Awesome. Uh, Nikki, what do you think? Any closing words as we wrap up? Do we know where to find Kirsten? I know that she oh, talked yeah. about where to get the book. In Portland, Maine. Yeah, but go to yeah, Portland, well, Maine. Yeah. <laughs> you following front people on the street, there listening to there their stories. <laughs> uh, yeah, on, online you can find me at playdhd.com. So it's P-L-A-Y-D-H-D.com. And of course on Facebook under PlayDHD, Twitter PlayDHD, and all that good stuff. Um, yeah, if you guys have any comments, questions, um, feel free to email me too at Kirsten at playdhd.com. That is a good catch, Nikki. Thank you so much. <laughs> you are well. you're a delightful co-host. That's what I'm here for. Pay attention to the details. <laughs> uh, this has been a good talk, everybody. Thank you so much for downloading and listening and uh, and sharing uh, with those you think are going to benefit. And I guarantee you, it's almost everybody because who doesn't need more play in their lives? This has been great. On behalf of Nikki Kinzer and the great Dr. Kirsten Milliken, PlayDHD.com, I'm Pete Wright. We'll catch you next time on Taking Control, the ADHD podcast. Mm-hmm.